Hey, Carl Franklin here. We have some confirmed speakers for Keto Fest 2019, which is happening the weekend of July 21st. This is not the complete list by any means. It's just a list of those who have confirmed that they will speak. Dr. Ken Berry, Dr. Nadir Ali, Megan Ramos, Dave Feldman and Siobhan Huggins, Amy Berger, Amber O'Hearn, and Peter Ballersted. Also, Alan Meisner says he will be doing the fitness lessons again. It's all going to be amazing. And that, those are just the speakers from last year. This year, we'll definitely have some new speakers on Science Sunday. Well, there isn't much time left to make this Kickstarter happen, so go reserve your tickets right now at KetoFest.com. Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut. I went keto in 2016 to reverse diabetes and lose weight. And it's my mission to spread the science of keto and to show the world how cooking is actually necessary for keto success. Oh yeah, lamb chops. Lamb chops! And I'm Carrie Brown and I also live in Connecticut, just a different part to Carl. I'm a trained pastry chef who went keto to control and eventually eliminate symptoms from bipolar 2 disorder and depression. I take no medications, I have no symptoms, and it's my mission to show the world that keto food is not only very delicious, but it can be better than any other kind of food. And this show is a document of our experiences thriving for years in nutritional ketosis. And also our experiences reversing diabetes and depression and feeling better than we ever have before. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. We don't give medical advice because we're not doctors. Right. We just want to share our experiences and review the research that supports it. Oh, and pork belly. And lamb chops. And lest we forget avocados and coconut oil. What about chocolate? Absolutely. We share our recipes and any science we find in the show notes. This is a science-based show with Carl bringing the body science and I bring the food science because cooking and especially baking is pure science. So let's start podcast number 161, Keto Success Tips and Tricks with Dan Wiseman. Well, before we get started, Carl, let's explain in plain English what a ketogenic diet is. Sure, that's any diet that puts you into a state of ketosis where you burn fat for energy rather than glucose. And the way we did it was to limit our carbs to 20 grams or less every day, have a moderate amount of protein, one to one and a half grams per kilogram of lean body mass, and all our energy comes from fat. Fat! Fat, fat, fat. And if you're just starting, listen to our starting keto show at start.2keto.com. All right, Carrie, what's new with you? Are you over that cold of yours yet? I am not. I still have the plague. I, oh. <laughs> I got it in Denver along with half of the rest of the conference, and I still have this throat thing going on. And um, I, think I, I think I've turned a corner. So hopefully by the next episode, I will sound like my old self. Very good. You working on any new recipes? Yes. I've been a bit of a recipe creating fool and there's recipes are now going up on the blog at a rate of at least two a week. So if you haven't been up there for a while, head to carriebrown.com and see all the 
lovely, delicious, fast and easy keto deliciousness that's being posted up there <laughs> every week. Excellent. And what else is going on? Well, just planning for the next road trip because road tripping is one of my favorite things to do. And although I've just got back from a what turned out to be a four and a half thousand mile road trip to Denver and back, <laughs> we're now planning, Mr. Franklin and I, to head to Salt Lake for Low Carb Utah. We have been invited to record a show live on stage That's right. at that event. So we're very excited for that. And of course, because it's on the same lump of land, I will be driving there and back. I, however, will be flying. Well, not me. I, I can't flap that fast, but I'll get on a plane and the plane will fly me there. Me, I'll be doing meetups all the way there and probably all the way back. So if you're somewhere between the middle of Connecticut and Salt Lake City, you're on the I-70 or the I-80 or somewhere around those parts, then um, check out my route and hopefully we can meet up and have coffee. That'd be cool. What about you? What have you been up to? Well, uh, first of all, I need to apologize for the ketogenic forum email glitch that turned a lot of people off uh -oh. in the last few weeks. See, we moved the ketogenic forum from a completely hosted, managed service that cost a lot of money to um, a, a, a manual service that uh, Nick Mailer's company has agreed to set up. And the uh, discourse people agreed to help us move. And it turns out that, you know what? There's a lot of messages and there's a lot of mails and there's a lot of stuff that built up into this queue. And when the floodgates opened, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of messages got stuck in that queue. And there was disk space problems and all that stuff. But we think that those days are over. We're... We may have a few more problems and bumps along the way, but we, we think for the most part that we fixed it. So I just wanted to formally apologize on behalf of everybody that is working on the ketogenic forums behind the scene. It's nothing that you did or didn't do. We know you tried to unsubscribe from these um, summary messages and you just kept getting pelted with them. We do apologize and it should have worked itself out by now. Technology is fantastic when it works. Oh, yeah, it's great. But where would we be without a few little technological wrinkles every now and then? That's right. And we do appreciate your patience as we sort of go through this transitional phase. Also, I'm in full-blown keto fest mode over here, as are you, Carrie. We're, we're having meetings. We're getting vendors. We're, we're talking to restaurants. We're planning all of this stuff. And another thing I've been doing that's a heck of a lot of fun is testing recipes for my keto noodle cookbook. Yay, cookbook! Yeah, I'm, I'm joining Carrie Brown, uh, joining the ranks of cookbook authors. As you probably know, I sort of stumbled on this uh, low-carb noodle recipe that is stretchy, texturally, taste. They are essentially egg noodles, but they're made without carbohydrates. Well, there's carbs in the eggs, but very little, and there's no extra carbs to get the consistency of noodles. So I've got an e-cookbook coming out in July, right before Keto Fest, and you can pre-order it at a discount right now uh, at noodles.2keto.com. The cookbook is going to have the basic noodle recipe, plus it will have a whole bunch of noodle dishes that aren't just Italian dishes, but 
you know, stroganoff and uh, dumplings and Asian food, Eastern European food. I mean, there's noodles in just about every kind of food. So I'm really going to go around the world with noodles in this uh, cookbook. Around the world with noodles. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. And the other thing is I'm still off the cheese and maintaining weight. I'm very proud of you. I know there was a little, you know, there was a little bit of cheese going on in Denver because there was. we were at Pam Zorn's house and she makes it and how could you not? Yep. But I'm uh, really proud to see you're back on the cheeseless trail and and reaching your goals. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, at, at uh, in Denver, yes, I had some cheese and my weight crept up. I came home, it normalized back to this new point. And every, everything else I've just been doing like I always do, except I'm not noshing at night because I'm not hungry. And I, I guarantee you that's the cheese talking. You've got to find out what works for you. So, no, we're not saying that cheese is bad and you'll have to stop eating cheese. Nope. We're just saying if cheese isn't working for you or something isn't working for you, you might like to try a bit of a cheese-free life to see if that's what's uh, keeping you from reaching your goals. Yeah, go on a cheese freeze. <laughs> a cheese freeze. I love that. And maybe <laughs> you'll find out that cheese doesn't give you any problems at all, in which case, cheese on. And we certainly hope that's the case because, you know, it, cheese is like crack for me. I don't know about you, but it's just so addictive. Maybe that's the problem. I don't know. All right. Well, Carrie, let's give away a Two Keto Dudes coffee mug to a lucky member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club. Who's the winner then, Carl? Today's winner is Julia Swart. Yay, Julia. Yay, Julia. And Julia just won a Two Keto Dudes coffee mug just for being a member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club. And if you want to be a member, you can go to fanclub.twoketo.com and sign up. And if you don't want to wait to win a coffee mug, you can get one online at gear.2keto.com. All right, then I think it's time to read the post. The post. Let's have a letter then, Carl. Oh, now I can play the clip that I made last week. Roll it. No. Post! Well, this is from the forum, forum.2keto.com, in the newbies section. And Jim asks the question, are pea strips worthless? I am new to keto. Today is day 13. I was under the impression that pea strips were pretty useful early on, but with diminishing returns as your body adapts. Is that accurate, or are they just mostly useless altogether? I had ordered some as they're pretty cheap, but UPS screwed up the delivery, and now I'm thinking I might just cancel the order and get a blood tester from Walgreens. Any thoughts or advice is appreciated. Yeah, Jim, here's the deal. So P-strips only measure one type of ketone, and it's a type of ketone that your liver produces very early on in ketosis. So there are three types of ketone bodies, acetone, acetoacetate, and beta-hydroxybutyrate. Acetone and acetoacetate generally show up in the first stages of ketosis. And so you'll notice right at first that you're, you're going to, you know, your strip is going to turn a very dark color. Great. Once it does that, put them away. They're going to be completely useless and befuddling after that because here's what happens. 
when you first get into ketosis, your body is creating a lot of ketone bodies, but your cells and the rest of your body that needs those ketones isn't particularly efficient at taking them up as energy. So there tends to be more in circulation. And of course, when you're measuring pee, you're measuring the waste product. You're not measuring what's being used. Think about that, right? Pee is waste product. So your kidneys are flushing these things because, you know, your, your cells are like, I don't know what to do with these. You know, they, they'll take a few of them and they'll start, hmm, this is pretty nice and pretty good, maybe tasty, and I'll, I'll take some more. And, but gradually what happens is your cells that can process ketones get better and more and more efficient at processing ketones and less efficient at metabolizing glucose. And so that's what we call fat adaptation. And that process takes four to six weeks at a minimum, but it could take months at a maximum. And so as you become more efficient, you're going to see on those P-strips, the, the color is just going to fade and fade and fade. Don't get discouraged. That's It's not a problem. That means your body is becoming more efficient at taking up the ketones. And yes, Jim, you should get yourself a ketone meter, like the Optium Neo Freestyle, or one of those things. The Abbott Labs makes a bunch of them. Our friends at Keto Mojo also make one, and uh, that has more affordable ketone strips. So yes, when, you, when you're testing your blood with a finger prick and ketone strips, now you're testing the third ketone body, beta-hydroxybutyrate, which is you know, what you're going to be producing most of uh, as you get fat adapted. And beta-hydroxybutyrate is wonderful for your heart, for your brain, for cells that, uh, that need energy. Most of your cells can use those ketones. They also cross the blood-brain barrier because they're not fat. They're not lipids, right? They're water-soluble. And uh, also, you ought to know that when you're measuring ketones in your blood, you're also measuring what's circulating in your blood, not what is being taken up. So it's very typical for people when they first go keto after like week two or week three to use the blood meter and have very high ketones. And then slowly that will begin to wind down to, you know, one point something or, you know, two point something or maybe even below you know, between 0.3 and 1.2. That's perfectly normal. So I don't think, I, I mean, I think the P-strips are, are great when you're starting because it's like, yes, my body works. I for sure found them useful for the first three months when I first started keto. And of course, I wasn't doing keto for fat loss. I So my goal was to get the ketones as high as possible or as dark purple as possible. And I just right. found it really helpful just to kind of like a little Linus blanket that was just yeah. like, okay, I'm going to pee on my stick and it's going to be purple. And I, you know, I know I'm doing the right thing and I'm going in the right direction. So I found them super useful, a kind of a, an accountability check mm. for me that, okay, I'm not going to eat anything carby because then I won't have then my P stick's going to fail and I'll be sad right. with myself. So even for that, it just kept me going for the first three months and then I stopped using them. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, we don't know if the P strips get less than purple, if they start to fade in color, you're not going to know whether it's something you ate or whether you're just getting more efficient. So that's why I think they're, you know, they're great at first, but uh, if you, if you really want to measure 
uh, ketones, get a blood ketone meter. That's what I think. Good deal. Okay, I'm very excited to have on the line today somebody whose uh, forum message we read a couple of weeks ago. It's Dan Wiseman here to tell his keto story. Hi, Dan. Good morning, Carl and Carrie. How are you today? Just ducky. It's steak and iron. That's how I know you. <laughs> yeah. If Depending upon where you exist on the internet, you may or may not know me, but you may now realize we're all the same person. I am on the uh, forums and on Reddit as Stupid Robots. I am uh, on Twitter as Steak and Iron, and I am in reality Dan Wiseman. Well, glad to have you on the show, Dan. It is an honor to be. So, so first off, I have to embarrass Dan by telling <laughs> the little story about why uh, Steak and Iron became virtual buddies. Are you ready, Dan? Oh, you go right ahead, Carrie. It's, it's an amazing story, and I'll have you tell it. Okay. And I don't think Carl has any idea about this, so this will be new to you, Carl. All right. But uh, one day last September, a lot of you will know that I struggled through most of last year with Lyme disease. Yeah. And one of the things that Lyme disease does is it really messes with your brain. It's famous for causing neurological issues. And one day last September, the Lyme disease was causing me a major neurological issue. So this is the little story about how steak and iron met. And I think it's really important to share it and you'll see why. Hopefully, once, once, I, it's not very long. Last Thursday afternoon, as I pulled into my garage, I was drowning under a tsunami of suicidal thoughts that had hit me out of the blue. I considered putting a hose in my exhaust. I thought about how many over-the-counter painkillers I had in the house. As I pulled my phone from my dashboard magnet, I glanced at the screen and saw a Twitter notification. Given I am barely on Twitter, I hit the icon to see what it was. This was the tweet. It was written by someone who calls themselves Steak and Iron. Carrie Brown is, in my opinion, he said, one of the most important figures in the low-carb keto space today because of a few things. She isn't doing this for weight loss, but is a powerful anecdote for brain health. She's teaching people how to cook real food in the real world, and she's doing it all while being sweet, approachable, and open. The team with Carrie Brown has a tremendous potential to relieve an enormous amount of human suffering, and that's just awesome. At Real Carrie Brown, you are a rock star. <laughs> wow. Seeing, seeing this stranger's description of the value he thought I brought to the world was just enough to switch on a tiny spark of logic to pull me back from the edge that I was experiencing that Thursday afternoon last September. But the point of me telling this story is not about my survival. It is simply to remind us all that little things can make a real, tangible, enormous difference to another life in ways we could not know or comprehend. Mm. So I want to encourage you all to take a minute to let others know how they impact your life in positive ways, even if you don't know them. 
Post a note when someone has helped you. Text a message when someone has inspired you. Tweet your support of someone who's striving to do good things in the world. Let people know that you value them. We never know what others are going through or how much they might need to hear from another human being in that moment. So if you think good things about someone, let them know. I let Steak and I know he saved my life. And then he checked in on me all weekend to make sure I was okay. Wow. What a friend. So that was how Steak and Iron and I met. We didn't know each other at all before that. Hmm. But it's really changed a lot of things for me in the way I think about strangers on the internet and all in good ways. So I would just, I wanted to share that story because Steak and Iron was a random stranger who's become a very important part of my life. Wow, that's so amazing. I had no idea. It's it was it was a, definitely an eye opener to me too. Uh, you're going to ruin my reputation as one of the bad boys of uh. the low carbohydrate world, uh, <laughs> Carrie. So <laughs> maybe we just edit that whole thing out so people still, still think I'm just some some comedian shit poster on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's kind of my my thing, but it, it did kind of open my eyes to the fact that. You know, you, Twitter is an amazing tool and the internet is an amazing tool where you can actually affect other people's lives. And I had just sort of gotten, you know, on Twitter as a way to talk to people that I found interesting and to, uh, you know, kind of cut out the middleman and be able to you know, interact with people that were, you know, frankly, more well-read, more intelligent than I was and to be able to ask those questions and, um, and, and get that kind of experience and then, you know, crack a joke and have some fun. I really didn't take it necessarily that seriously, mm. uh, until, uh, that, that interaction with Carrie. And it was like, you know, a fog was lifted that, you know, I, I can't just use this. Or I could just use this for you know, dicking around and having fun and, and being, you know, uh, you know, a, a comedian, but mm. there's also a lot of good that can come from this. There's a lot of people that can be helped. And I, you know, I don't know if anybody's listening has been following me for a while, but I hope you've noticed that my tone is a little bit different now. Hmm. Uh, I, I definitely, um, you know, I want to use the, uh, the, the Twitter space responsibly. I still have a lot of fun. I still will poke fun at people that are being, you know, you know, deserving of it. And I'll have, you know, make sure that somebody's being ridiculous. And I'm going to point out the ridiculousness of what they're doing and saying, but um, you know, I'm definitely very much in the headspace of I'm there to help people to get to the level of, of stability and health that I have now. And that's really become a goal of a lot of my interactions and, you know, I have a lot of fun doing it. And, you know, I have Carrie to thank for letting me be aware of the impact I have on actual human beings. So thank you, Carrie. This is just awesome. I had no idea we were going to start off this way with such a love fest. It's great. Surprise! <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I'm totally with you, Dan. I've been doing the internet thing since 1994, believe mm-hmm. it or not. And uh, that's I'm old, right? I had <laughs> uh, Seriously, I had one of the first web pages on the internet, period, um, for software developers in 1994. And... Uh, I quickly learned that with great power comes great responsibility. Oh, absolutely. And I remember that moment where, you know, something that I said kind of flip came back to me. And uh, and then, you know, when I started receiving all these uh, messages of gratitude for helping them, either in their job as a programmer or, you know, lately, we've, we, 
uh, Richard Morris, Carrie, and I have are constantly soaked with, you know, messages from people who claim that we've helped them change their lives and save their own lives. And I say it that way because sometimes they say, you saved my life, and we don't buy that. We're, we're just talking. <laughs> you know, you did it. Your body did the work. You allowed it to. Yep. We gave you, we told you what we did. That's fine. But it, 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 the responsibility that you have, and I'm not just talking about us, I'm talking about listeners. The responsibility that you have with this knowledge that you've gleaned about uh, nutrition and lipids and carbs and insulin and and ketones and all of this stuff that you've learned, you you, you really do need to be responsible with it. It's true, and it's it's an amazing thing. And uh, you know, I, I hope you guys realize that with the reach you have. You know, you are doing more for the betterment of humanity than whole scores of, of, you know, college researchers and scientists, nutritionists, doctors, by giving people the power and saying that, you know what, you can do this yourself. You don't need to have, you know, this, that, or the other thing, or drop all this money on some kind of program or pay some trainer or get some nutrition plan or yada, yada. I mean, okay, yeah, there's people that can do that and they can help you, but ultimately it's you. You know, especially if you talk about people that have been doing this for a good long while. I mean, I think Carrie, you're you go back to about 2012 ish, right? For for doing low carb. Yes, 2012. Yeah. I think about Eric Westman, who's been doing it for over 20 years. Yeah, I've been doing it about eight years myself now, and you know what? I just wish I knew about it. You know, when I was 15. Right. You know how much different and how much healthier I would be, and how different my life would be, and ultimately my life came around to a good place. But you know that was after a lot of uh, a lot of suffering, and you know giving the people the the power and you know the knowledge that they can do this. You know that it's not hopeless. You know I see these stories of people that are you know hundreds of pounds overweight, and it seems like it's such an insurmountable you know, problem, you know, like, you know, I was not that overweight. I was, I was obese, but I mean, I know people that were quite a bit heavier than me. And I know I was in constant pain. I was always tired. I, I was, you know, I had a whole slew of problems that I can trace directly back to what I put in my mouth. I just didn't know that there was a solution I had in my hand that I could do myself. And, uh, you know, I think we're seeing a revolution there and it's, it's just awesome. It is awesome. And, uh, you know, the, the thing is, is that uh, people don't understand. They may have done low-carb-ish before, but you really have to lean in hard to get the benefits if you're uh, diabetic, if you're insulin-resistant, overweight, metabolic syndrome, all of those things. It's not enough just to cut out sugar sodas and eat sandwiches all day long, you, you know? Although that's a good start. It's a great start. It's a, it's a- it's a great start. And I see some people, you know, they'll, they'll cut out just a soda or switch a diet soda or whatever. And you'll see, you know, maybe a little bit of benefit or maybe they won't get so many cavities, whatever. But what I also see is on the other side of that, it's on the research on, on the, on the, you know, the, um, you know, the big money side of things, they'll do these studies that say, oh, low carb isn't that great and doesn't really have any benefits. You look mm. at the study and they're still eating 30, 40% of their intake from carbs. Right. And I'm like, well, it's like if you, if you smoke, 39 cigarette, cigarettes a day instead of 40, you're not going to cure your lung cancer. We need yeah. to look at what is, you know, what is the threshold of causing these problems? Right. And that stuff drives me nuts too. You know, you, you, you're right. You do need to dive a little bit deeper and actually get to you know, a place where your metabolism is at a point that it can rewire itself and it can repair. Right. And it can do so quicker than if you just painfully drag it out with 
carb cheat days and stuff like that. So, so I think we're all in violent agreement about that, which is great. But I want to hear your story. Uh, you know, we we read a little bit of your story uh, from your post, but tell us, you know, how you you were deranged and how you fixed it. Sure. Let's step all the way back to uh, steak and iron in high school. I was a fairly active uh, young person. I you know I did martial arts while I was a kid. Uh, I took dance classes. I go outside a lot. I, you know, I didn't do a lot of team sports or anything like that. That really wasn't my jam. But I was fairly active, and I was, you know, always physically quite strong, a decent level of fitness for, you know, an American teenager. Uh, and then I went into college, uh, and basically, uh, I didn't have a whole lot of time or money. You know, I moved out of my parents' home fairly young. I was 18, maybe 19 when I moved out. Uh, I got a job. I got an apartment, uh, and I was going to school. And the focus at this point was basically survival. I live in Northern California, which, you know, a lot of people will measure as the most expensive place to live on earth. So basically everything I had to do had to be budgeted and thinking about what food was going into my mouth was far less important than the fact that food was going into my mouth Mm. and, you know, exercise, uh, physical fitness, um, you know, self care, uh, you know, even sleep, these things sort of took a backseat to the fact that I needed to make money and I needed to do my studies. And that was about it. Everything else was just, you know, totally, you know, on the periphery. So, uh, you know, I found myself, uh, eventually up to a, a BMI of about 35, 36, you know, it's uh, morbidly obese. Um, you know, like I said, I, I luckily I didn't have as far to come back as, as some people did, but I, I noticed at this point, I was definitely prone to what I would later discover to be all of the symptoms of hyperinsulinemia. I didn't have health insurance at the time, so I don't have any kind of uh, data to show it, but things like constant, uh, constantly lethargic. If I ever did get enough sleep, it was never enough sleep. You know, I would sleep 10 or 12 hours and still wake up feeling exhausted. I would fall asleep while driving, uh, which is something that's just still scares me to this day because it's literally just a coin flip that I didn't go veering off the road into a tree and, you know, just, you know, bleed out somewhere. Do you remember the first time you took your blood sugar readings? Uh, you know, when I first took my blood sugar readings was uh, after I had had a uh, pulmonary embolism. I got a blood clot in my lung, uh, which they actually were able to trace back to a, a genetic uh, conf- uh, factor. But it's one of those things that's like 10% of the people have it, but no, barely anybody ever actually And gets. you can totally die from that. <laughs> by the yeah, way if I, if I just said oh it's probably just indigestion or, or a stitch in my side the doctor was very clear that i could have lost a lung uh, or you know it could have come loose and gotten into a you know in a heart valve or in a, you know in my brain and they're just mm. gone but it, it definitely felt like something was wrong enough that i got checked out and you know when i got my blood blood sugars checked um you know and this is relatively uh uh recent after coming out of college getting a job getting health insurance and being able to take care of myself on at least a basic level mm. nothing was terribly deranged like i you know i think my blood sugar at the doctor was like around 100 oh so the wheels hadn't fallen off yet but you know i had um i had skin tags yeah i had uh frequent nosebleeds which leads me to believe i probably had very high blood sugar at least at times mm. um you know the obviously the exhaustion um, you know, despite, uh, you know, eating what is, you know, by any sane measure enough food, I was constantly hungry. Yeah. Um, the, uh, uh, you know, I had fairly common digestive trouble, you know, upset stomachs were just kind of part of life for me. 
Um, and, you know, after coming out of school and looking at, you know, the, the level of fitness that I had that, you know, I'd given up um, and realizing that I'd basically devoted all of my time and energy toward, you know, developing a mind and surviving college and eating, I mean, absolute garbage, you know, people will, you know, I've got stories about there on the internet about me, you know, I, I would get stuff that the local coffee shop was throwing away and that's what I'd eat. Or I'd, you know, I'd have nothing but eggs, oil, and cake mix in the house. So I'd eat, you know, chocolate cake for a week or more. And that's just kind of how I survived. But once I had the opportunity to focus on myself and after kind of being faced, you know, against my will, uh, uh, with my own mortality, you know, this is, I was about 25 wow. in, and it having to go on blood thinning medication, which is, you know, I had to watch videos on how to properly take it. Everybody's in these videos is in their sixties and seventies. Yeah. And here I am, I'm, I'm 25. I, you know, I should be living my best life and I'm living like, you know, I'm about to go into retirement home. Wow. Um, so I decided to learn what is healthy. You know, what, what does that even mean? You know, there's a lot of, this is, you know, um, you know, close to uh, eight years ago, seven, eight years ago now. And I didn't know because we had a lot of conflicting information out there. We, we were sort of on the, on the downswing of the Atkins diet uh, uh, thing. I'll, I'll say fad because mm-hmm. that was a sort of a branded fad. Mm-hmm. And I tried it a little bit, um, you know, in college. And uh, it was a lot of kind of junk food, low carb stuff. And then um, I lost maybe 10 pounds. And I remember distinctly, like I got a cold. And I had NyQuil and I realized the NyQuil had sugar in it. I said, this is stupid. And I just totally threw it out the window. Yes. Crazy. Yeah, I, I shoot, everything's all screwed up now. I got to, you know, I'm two weeks of this, you know, introductory phase and it, I was pissed. Yeah. Um, I think that's where a lot of people fail. Like we were talking about before our calls back to this, you got to lean in hard. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people are still afraid to do that, you know, because yeah. there, there's chatter around about you know it's bad for your kidneys and you have all these problems i remember just being totally afraid and one of the things that richard morris and i tried to do early on in this um podcast is assuage people's fears just sort of you know there's science out there that's on your side you can do this you're not going to die and uh don't do it half-baked you know trying to be nice here (laughs) lean in 100 percent but yeah, that, that this is where most people give up. And I was definitely in that position too when I first kind of started um, getting into the low carb space because I mean, okay, the research was there, but it really hadn't been popularized as far as like is you know if you eat cholesterol and meat and bacon and eggs, is it just going to be like pouring it down a drain? It's going to clog your arteries by right. by noon? I don't know. Yeah. Right. I mean, that was sort of the the, the cultural meme of the time. Yeah. Uh, but I discovered online you know this whole keto thing and. Um, this, this was, you know, like I said, on the, on the sort of back end of Atkins and I decided I wanted to lose weight and I wanted to start working out. I wanted to get healthy because, uh, you know, I wasn't going to have my youth forever and, you know, I'm getting back in shape when I'm, you know, 50 or 60 is going to be a different proposition than when I'm in my mid twenties. Right. Sure. So, um, I discovered this keto thing and after looking at all these different nutrition sort of plans and there's people doing veganism and I tried that there's people doing like uh, smart carbs or, you know, you know, black beans and brown rice and that kind of stuff and low glycemic index. And I tried that. Um, and I tried calorie counting, but what I noticed on, when I looked at these things about this keto thing, which I had never heard of before was these people that were losing a hundred pounds, 150 pounds, mm. 200 pounds, like a year mm. and talking about how they weren't hungry and how they had a lot of energy. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm hungry all the time and I never have any energy. 
Now, I don't have 150 pounds to lose, but maybe this is something I should look into. What does it mean? Okay, you eat a lot of like meat and cheese and eggs and bacon and maybe some vegetables and, um, you know, fat's good for you for this. And I, I was like, okay, whatever. This sounds kind of like, like, like hooey, but I can't argue with the results. And even if it kills me, I'll leave a pretty corpse. It was literally kind of my mindset going into it. I think for me, for me, one of the, the hardest things to believe could be true was the lack of hunger. I think, you know, and now, I mean, I can leave the house in the morning and not have any thoughts about I need to take a snack with me or I'll need to plan to stop, have lunch somewhere or, and those of you who have been following me, I just drove to Denver and back. And one of the days I drove a thousand miles in one day mm. from the center of Illinois, right the way back home to Connecticut. I left at five in the morning. I got to Connecticut 11 o'clock at night. And the only thing I did was stop every 300 miles for gas and to pee. I, I couldn't have conceived doing that trip yeah. pre-keto without, a, a, you know, an entire cooler full of stuff, food, <laughs> nut, I mean, you know, whatever it was, couldn't have conceived of it. And yet here I was driving for, what, 17 hours straight mm. with no hunger, no tiredness, no – and for, for me, that was one of the things that was just so – this can't be real. Really? you Really? Keto means you have no hunger? How is that a thing? Yeah. But it totally is a thing. It's it's really it's amazing and it's freeing. You know, I remember back when I was in my college, my uh, my work. I, I sold cars, which is a hard job, but it's a job that it toughens you up. And I'm glad that I did it. I learned a lot about people and how to you know kind of have a thick skin and how to how to talk. And but I you know I was on the you know the lot. I was on my feet all day, and maybe two, every two hours I was at the vending machine or at the the Burger King next door getting some kind of little snack. Yeah. And it wasn't. I mean, people eat out of boredom, and you know I'm guilty of that too. But I was legitimately hungry. I woke up. And the first thing I needed to do is I needed to eat something because, you know, I hadn't eaten for eight hours or 10 hours. And I was hungry. Mm. Now I wake up and it's like, okay, off I go. You know, I, I'm able to do things like, you know, wake up at four in the morning and go to the gym and still not eat until, you know, I come home from work at six or seven o'clock at night. And that would be completely inconceivable to me. You know, a 25 year old me, that would be like, this is not possible. This is, you know, this is mental illness. Nobody can do that. Um, but you know, that freedom is just, is amazing. You know, I've done these long, long ish fasts. I've done like 72 hour fasts and stuff. And I'll do them sometimes when I'm like, uh, uh, doing, um, traveling or things like that. You know, if I'm on a plane, I fly internationally for work sometimes. And yeah, I mean, I'll just, you know, go to the airport, get on the plane, sleep on the plane, you know, cross over the international date line. And, you know, I'll get into wherever I'm going and it's, you know, days later and i'm mm -hmm. fine have a little bit of water have a little bit of salt and i'm good so dan can you tell us the results of going keto how long did it take what happened uh obviously you lost weight but were there other non-scale victories tell us uh yeah yeah there were uh so a few things uh, the, the first say 20 pounds just like fell off like in a matter of it felt like basically instantly um so i was like okay there's definitely something to this um and this was, I think a lot of what I was probably eating at the time was you know, a lot of junk food keto, but it's still, you know, keto, high fat, a lot of like, cream cheese based desserts and stuff. Uh, a lot of like, you know, chicken. Um, uh, but, you know, the, the, I think probably the first thing I noticed was 
a um, uh, an increase in the energy as the the primary um, you know non scale victory is you know I'd come home from work and I'd be driving home from work and I wouldn't be struggling to stay awake and that was new like you know five o'clock comes around I'm just you know my my you know I got one eye open at a time as I'm driving down the road trying to get home and it just stopped happening. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's interesting. I also noticed that, you know, I actually, I started working out a little bit before I, I went uh, keto because I was sort of exploring different dietary um, avenues. Uh, like I mentioned, like I tried the whole vegan thing and the body, the bodybuilder, high protein, low fat thing. And um, one thing that became very clear, sort of once I got into the low carbohydrate space is I stopped just running out of gas in the gym. I used to go to the gym and maybe last 20 minutes. And just literally could barely lift my arms. I could barely, you know, limp to the car afterward. And now, I mean, and even then, um, you know, I'm stronger now, but the workout itself is I can basically go until I get bored or I have to go do something else and, um, you know, not be totally gassed and actually be able to do productive things afterwards, which is why I was able to move, you know, exercise to the mornings instead of the evenings where I basically just come home and collapse. Um, so that was a big deal. Um, and, you know, I point out all this little stuff that like I, can I say it was going low carb or can I say it was from the weight loss? But I, mean, I don't get hiccups anymore. I don't have acne anymore. I don't have dandruff anymore. <laughs> I don't have, um, you know, um, you know, foot odor anymore. I, I, it's, wait, it's weird wait, little you, just so, kind of, so keto's made you dull. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, let's go with that. But I mean, it's all these weird little things. Like I wouldn't necessarily, somebody said like, oh, doing all the, you know, just eating a lot of uh, steak and bacon and eggs uh, is going to cause all these problems to magically go away. I'd, you know, I'd be like, you're a snake oil salesman. This is nonsense. Um, everyone knows that, you know, these things are not diet related. They're genetic or they're, you know, from yeah. the air pollution or whatever. And they're not. It's like, oh my God, this is something that I actually had control over forever. It's, it's, it really does seem like magic, but you know, here's the thing that we like to say over and over again is that your body is the magician here. Like your body is doing the healing. It's not the steak. It's not the bacon. It's not the butter. Yes. When you eat those things, you're not eating carbohydrates. And by taking those out of your diet, the body can heal itself. But all of these things that you're talking about, acne, dandruff, bad breath, uh, you know, foot odor, uh, indigestion. You know, just a, well, a, a constant smooth supply of energy that doesn't bonk. Yeah. Those are, those are things that your body just does and has probably been doing them for millions of years until we started flooding it with this crappy food. I was just thinking about all those, um, seemingly minor little things, your dandruff and, and all of those things that you don't have to deal with now. And it just occurred to me how that would be offset you hear on keto so many people saying you know it's expensive you know you have to eat yeah. steak and real food's expensive but i think if you kind of did the exercise where you my minus out all of the dandruff shampoos and all of the you know the foot fungus veruca cures and all of that yeah. you you'd actually find that there's a lot of money you're not spending on things to relieve symptoms now that you don't have those symptoms i barely get colds anymore so those are doctor visits i don't have to pay for sudafed that i don't have to buy like I just don't, I, I don't buy pharmaceuticals. I don't have any medications. Like there's, 
There's just no end to the savings. And you can do this with eggs and butter. Yep. You know, if you really want to. Ted Naiman talks about that guy that lives in the woods and cooks beef and eggs on a, you know, propane stove. Yeah. And he's like, you, you, you can do this. And I think that, okay, it, keto can be, or low carbohydrate or carnivore, or whatever you want to call it, can be the most expensive diet ever, or it can be the cheapest. Just like any diet. I, I don't usually go to fast food, but every so often, like there'll be a, an excursion there. I'll get my bundle or whatever. But I remember fast food being cheap. I go to fast food and it's like everybody pays $14 for lunch. And I'm like, yeah. do you know the kind of steak I could get for $14? Oh, yeah. I could get a pound and a half of New York strip. Actually, right now it's $4 a pound at the Mexican supermarket. Woo. I need three pounds of steak for that. Yeah. You know, and, and plus, plus butter to cook it in. That's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I, there's a, there's a, I think the people assume that real food is, you know, is these organic vegetables and is grass fed whatever and macadamia nuts and all this exotic nonsense that gets imported from every corner of the globe. It's, I mean, it could be. And if you want to spend the money on it, I mean, that's great. And there's certainly reasons to maybe, if you can afford such things, to move up in terms of the way you sort of vote with your dollars to endorse things like, you know, regenerative agriculture and grass fed, whatever. Right. But if your goal is health, it doesn't have to be expensive. Yes. You know, I've seen people, you, like, for example, I'm a big fan of around here, we have a chain called Food Max. I think they're a California thing, but they're an essentially a, sort of a, a warehouse sort of Mexican supermarket and they'll have whole chickens for 70 cents a pound or, you know, I, I, I got my Christmas or my, my Thanksgiving Turkey there for 29 cents a pound. Hmm. I paid $3 and 40 cents for a Thanksgiving Turkey wow. that fed like eight people with leftovers. You know, if you're, if you look at what you actually spend your money on, it's not healthy food. It's, it, it's, it's silly things that you can move to the side and get rid of. And focus on the healthy food. And even then, it's not that expensive. And, you know, I think that people need to, you know, get out of this mindset that they can't do it or they can't afford because at every budget, there is a way to at least do better. Right. And we realize that everybody is different. You know, people will say, well, keto just wasn't meant for me. Well, yes, it was because you're a human, right? The, the difference in people is their metabolic state, you know, or their state of disease or their or their state of, uh, you know, metabolic health or insulin resistance to put it another way. And so, yes, if you're, if you're morbidly obese and insulin resistant, uh, you know, keto is going to be a miracle for you. If you're, if you're a tofi, if you're thin and have a fatty liver, um, yes, you're going to need that. If you are, are otherwise fit, uh, insulin sensitive, and only have five or 10 pounds to lose, yeah, you know, you'll probably lose five or 10 pounds. But you may go, your diet may be a little bit different than mine. But uh, so I want to, I want to come back to when you first went keto, you obviously did some research on the internets and in, mm -hmm. with books. What was the thing that you read that made you go, aha, this is for me? Well, there was the success stories, and like I said, about people that were very large and losing over 100 pounds very quickly. Um, it also kind of dialed into like my sort of contrarian nature. Um, uh, I love hearing the story that everything you think you know is wrong, <laughs> um, you know, uh, it, it, whether it's, you know, some kind of, you know, uh, crazy conspiracy theory or that kind of, I, I love stories like that. And, you know, um, you know I, I would definitely, uh, you know, lean very hard in the sort of, you know, 
anarchist, you know, wacky libertarian uh, realm uh, in my own personal beliefs. Uh, and if nothing else, I just kind of like the story that, you know, the, the, what is what you think, you know, just might be pushed by uh, interests that don't have your personal well-being in mind. Mm-hmm. And the idea that, OK, all this stuff that you you were told is bad for you or is going to make you fat or is going to stop your heart or is going to do all these other kind of horrible things. What if exactly the opposite were true? What if that was all a load of BS? So did you read Gary Taubes, for example? Was it a particular author or some research or some science or was it just the the meme zeitgeist of, you know, hey, look at how this is working for me? The the zeitgeist was definitely the first step. And once I started seeing it work, then I was like, okay, why is this happening? This is amazing. This is this is stupid. This shouldn't be happening. Mm. You know, I, I mean, if I was probably to measure my calories, I was eating way more calories than my weight loss would dictate. Hmm. Um, I mean, I was just the sheer volume of cream and butter and eggs and cheese and everything I was stuffing in my face. And, you know, eventually that, that, that'll stall you out and you do need to sort of monitor what you actually eat. But it was working. And the fact that it was working when everything that I knew said that it shouldn't, that I need to learn about this. Yeah. I need to see what the heck this is all about. So I did start reading and, and learning. And uh, I think probably the first book I picked up was uh, Jimmy Moore's Keto Clarity. Good. Um, it was fairly, I think it was fairly new on the market at the time. I think it was like 2014 or so that came out. If my memory is any good, which it isn't. Um, but it was something like that. And I picked that up and I really liked it. And then I read Cholesterol Clarity after that. Um, and then I sort of just, um, you know, ran right down the, uh, the rabbit hole, uh, you know, uh, Gary Taub's uh, good calories, bad calories, why we get fat and what to do about it. Um, mm. the, uh, protein power, uh, new actions for new you, um, this, you know, uh, then I kind of got into, uh, you know, you know, how do these things come to be? Why were we told the wrong things and things like, you know, Nina Teichelt's, uh, uh, big fat surprise was a, a great book, mm. uh, Lear Keith and, uh, the vegetarian myth. Another great book uh, and sort of understanding where these things come from and why we were told what we were told, mm-hmm. uh, d- you know, digging into these stories about, uh, you know, who is, you know, Yudkin. Why don't we know about Yudkin uh, right. when we talk, when we talk yeah. about nutrition science? Yeah, he was raising the red flag way back, way back when about sugar. Exactly. It isn't and when you realize this isn't new, this didn't start with Atkins. This didn't even start with Benting. You know, if we go back to the 1860s, you say, oh, it's a fad diet. Well, we started in the 1860s. It didn't right. even start in the 1860s. You can go back to Hippocrates. Hippocrates says, stop eating oats and honey if you want to cure corpulence. That's this right. is like not new. This is something that goes way back to basically when people started writing about health at the dawns of civilization. You know, we can also look at, like, there, as far as I know, the earliest representation of an obese human uh, that is designed is assumed to be a real human being, not like these fertility idols or things that they found, but of an actual obese human is in Egypt, where they were the first people to really have a grain-based diet. Yeah. So this, this is, you know, this is not new. This is not a fad. Human beings are not meant to eat, at the very least, most of their diet most of the year from carbs and and and, and sugar. Yep, I tell people all the time: processed carbohydrates are the fad diet. It's it's been a hundred year or more experiment and it's failed. Yeah, and it blows my mind that like you, you look at people and they say, Okay, this is the health food diet, you look at the health food and it's food that nobody had access to before nineteen seventy. Do you really think the best possible human diet is a is a mix of forty different fruits from every corner <laughs> of the globe? And on the second note, is that actually good for the planet? What do you think the carbon footprint is behind your vegan bullshit smoothie compared to like me having some, you know, grass fed steak, you know, from Modesto, which is, you know, about a hundred miles from my front door. 
what, what do you actually think is a net difference there? Mm. It, it, it's just I was like, where did these thoughts come from? And if you actually like look at them and give them any kind of real examination, they do not hold up. What's coming up for you? What are you, what are you doing now? What are you working on? Uh, well, you know, I'm definitely still, um, you know, mainly on Twitter as far as like my health persona. I would, I'll probably do a little bit more on your guys's forums and, uh, you know, I'll have my, my, my little Jekyll and Hyde routine. I'll be the nice guy on, on your forums and I'll be maybe a little bit more abrasive on Twitter because I like the attention. I like having, you know, getting the vegan feathers in a ruffle, but, um, be nice now, be nice. <laughs> I, I, I'm never not nice, but sometimes I'm a little bit more honest yeah. than, uh, than, you know, they, they say I should be, uh, but I have fun. It's always, it's always coming from a good place. I, I, I make fun of people because I want if I can't convince them of anything, if they are so deep in their dogma and their, their religious beliefs about food and health, mm. at the very least, I can have somebody on the periphery who doesn't know say, you know what? I think I want to side with the, the funny guy who's citing science rather than the guy that is comparing eating steaks to Hitler. Like, let's kind of, you know, at least have the, the right conversation here. That, that's where I want to live. I, I think anybody on any side of an argument can go so far as to, you know, be dogmatic about it. Um, keto people have certainly been called dogmatic by vegans. And we certainly, you know, keto people certainly think that extreme veganism is a bit dogmatic as well. I, I tend to not use the word keto so much anymore as just science-based. Mm -hmm. and, and I am perfectly willing to change my beliefs. Yeah. If somebody can show me that veganism is a better diet for me than the ketogenic diet. I'm perfectly willing to go vegan if somebody can show me that science. So far, it I haven't seen it. The one thing that does frustrate me, particularly about Twitter, is the, the infighting within the keto low-carb community, and I do mm. wish that would just stop being a thing yeah because we're all on the same team here and if we spent that time reaching out rather than fighting with each other inside i think you know we could we could help a lot more people right we run the risk of having these little denominational sects don't we yeah we, there's, and you know, I'm certainly, uh, I run more in the carnivore sphere than, than most, uh, other spheres. And there is a dogmatic carnivory, uh, component to it that I just think needs to die. It's, I mean, it's, you know, you post a picture of a steak with some parsley on it and people are like, oh, you got toxic, you know, weeds all over it. Stop it. Yeah. Right. Just knock it off, you idiot. You know, we're, you're not helping anybody. You're just making yourself feel more superior. And then at that point, what is the point? It's just, it's stroking your own ego. Yeah. Um, it, 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 is there a place for carnivory? Yeah, you've got people like you know Michaela Peterson who cured incurable diseases That's by right. moving to a diet that's strictly meat. Yep. You see these these people over in, in Hungary with the uh, you know uh, what is it the um, the carnivory people? I can't recall the name, um, but they're doing you know, the organ meats and the high fat uh, carnivory diet, and they're doing amazing things. That's great, mm -hmm. but. Uh, is the average person going to live on, you know, steak and water and calf's brain? Probably not. Well, if they want to, they can though. If, if, they, want to, if they want to, they can. That option should be should be made apparent to people. But you know, these you know, people shouldn't sit in their own camp and, and hurl rocks at every other camp, thinking that their camp is the best. Right. If somebody comes out and they say my way of doing X, Y, or Z is the one true way, and you are somehow inferior by not doing it my way. That person is a jackass, and that person can probably be safely disregarded. 
which is why I don't say what I do is the right way. I say what I do works very well for me. Here's the evidence. Here's what I used to look like. Here's what I used to feel like. Right. If you look like this and feel like this and would like to look and feel like I do now, I'm more than happy to tell you what I have done to get me to this point and to help you do it. Right. And what more could anybody ask? Agreed. Dan, you truly are a wise man. And uh, <laughs> thanks for being with us on Two Keto Dudes today. You're awesome, Dan. No, you guys are awesome. And I'm so sad that you ran out of actual, real, insightful, intelligent guests to have on your show when you had to have <laughs> Hardly. You're my favorite. Oh. <laughs> you're my favorite. You guys are my favorite. You're, you're wonderful. You're beautiful. You do amazing things. Keep it up. Keep fighting the good fight. And I hope we have, uh, uh, you know, another uh, 20 years of two keto dudes. I'll see you all on Twitter. See you on Twitter. Dan, I look forward to sharing a steak with you sometime. Absolutely. Come on out to California. It's on me. Sounds good. All right. Talk to you later. Have a good one. Take care. Well, I don't know about you, Carl, but Dan is just, I just love him. He's obviously, for reasons that make sense to everybody, just one of my favorites. And I'm super glad we had him on the show. And it was super interesting to hear his particular journey and all the things that he found were useful in getting him to where he is now. Yep. He's just another great keto human. Yep. Love it. Love it. Well, Carrie, uh, it's time for you to tell us one of your recipes. I do have a recipe and I've broken a bit with tradition as anyone who knows me knows I don't focus on desserts. Because right. what we need is real food for dinners and lunches and all of those things. But desserts do have their place. And mm -hmm. so every once in a while, I'll come up with a dessert. And so I'm going to do a dessert this week. Great. I'm trying to do things that are easy and simple and don't take a ton of time because you all right. are busy. And if you can make really, really delicious food in a very, very short time, then that's a win for everybody. Yes. And this, this one I came up with was really for the, the folks who come to keto not having a majorly sweet tooth or they find that when they start keto, their sweet tooth calms way the heck down mm. after they haven't been on sugar and carbs for a while. So I started thinking about those of you who wanted a little something after your meat, but not uh, your typical keto or low-carb fat bomb or some big, sweet, heavy dessert. So the the first flavor that popped into my mind was mint. Yeah. Because that can kind of go both ways. You know, you can use mint in savory dishes, but you can always also use it in sweet dishes. So I thought about mint. Um and also there's a lot of people that don't really fall into the chocolate lovers camp and they don't fall into the fruit camp either. So mint really seemed to fit the bill for a flavor that might make um, a, a, a number of people in, people in the keto world happy. So I'm a big fan of mint. I grow it in my yard in pots so that it doesn't take over the entire yard if you're thinking about growing your own. 
Um, so I'd like you to give these, I've called them chilled mint cheesecake cups, and I'd like you to give them a try and see what you think. They're a great option for a fat bomb that you don't need to keep in the freezer and it does, they don't melt. If you glance at them for three seconds, they don't melt into a puddle like most fat bombs do. So that's another win. I would expect nothing less from you. They will, they'll keep well in the, just in the fridge for a week. So if you're only cooking for one, you can still make a batch and then keep them in an air container and, and just eat them from the fridge when you need one or want one. So there's a little minty treat and here's how you make them. You're going to get half a cup or four fluid ounces of heavy cream. You're going to need four teaspoons of gelatin. That's teaspoons, not tablespoons. You're going to want four ounces or 110 grams of allulose, which is rapidly becoming my favorite sweetener. If Mm. you're still using xylitol or erythritol, I would suggest cutting that down to three ounces, and you will get a better result if you use the powdered xylitol or erythritol, not the granular kind. You're going to want four ounces of cream cheese, one cup of yogurt so you want to look Mm. for the yogurt that has the highest fat and the lowest sugar that you can find you often find that that's a greek yogurt but there are some non-greek yogurts like our favorite peak yogurt that has a very high fat very low sugar so you want one cup Mm -hmm. of that then you're going to want three quarters of a cup of fresh mint leaves which you're going to chop very very finely and finally you're going to want four tablespoons of lemon juice and here's what you're going to do you're going to place the heavy cream in a small saucepan and sprinkle the gelatin evenly over the surface and you're going to leave it for five minutes to soften you're going to then add the allulose to the pan and place the whole thing over a low heat you're going to stir the cream mixture until the gelatin and the allulose have completely dissolved and then you're going to remove it from the heat. In a separate bowl, you're going to whip the cream cheese, yogurt, finely chopped mint leaves, and lemon juice very well together. You'll find that if you get the cream cheese out the night before, so it's not fridge cold, this will be a lot easier. So try and remember to get your cream cheese out early. Once you've whipped all those things together, you're going to pour the warm cream mixture into the yogurt mixture and beat well until completely combined. Mm. Then you're going to spoon the mixture into serving dishes, or you could use paper cups or silicon muffin cups, and you're going to put them in the fridge for at least four hours until they're set. Mm. And that's it. it. It's very quick, very easy, and very yummy. Fat bombs that you don't need to freeze, and it, it is a not a, a very sweet. It's a very light um, dessert that that those of you who are not into sickly sweet or don't do chocolate or fruit will find uh, a great way to have a little something after your meal. It sounds very refreshing too. The mint. They are very light and refreshing. Very good. Well, that's another show. If you have anything you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something that you don't agree with, 
some more research that you found to support or refute anything we've said, send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com. And you can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at twoketodudes. Make sure to use the hashtag twoketodudes when you're talking about anything to do with us. And of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, it's forum.twoketo.com. And you can have a look around the forum without needing to create an account by starting with success.2keto.com. Also, check out our Facebook group, The Keto Kitchen, if Facebook is your thing. And if you feel like supporting our forums and all the podcasts we produce, please consider making a monthly pledge on our Patreon page at patreon.2keto.com. And if you pledge $20 or more per month, you will have access to an exclusive Facebook group, Two Keto Dudes Gold. And you can also see all of our podcasts and other videos on YouTube at youtube.2keto.com. And if you haven't already, please go and leave a review on Apple Podcasts because that's how new people get to know about what we do. Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. And everybody, listen up, keep calm, and keto on. Keep calm and keto on, Carl. All right. We'll see you next time on Two Two Keto Keto Dudes. Dudes.